Father, I just uh, pray that you'd just uh, lead me by your Spirit as we bring the Word, that you'd make it alive, and that you'd open up our ears to hear from you, our God. Speak to each one of our hearts, we pray. We want your will to be done in our lives, and Jesus to be exalted and honoured in our lives, in his name, for his glory. Amen. Amen. Oh, it's been great just to listen to the messages coming out, and Dave's message last week, and uh, I'm grateful for the grind. Praise God. And uh, it's great to be part of this church. I get so encouraged when I come back here. It's awesome. I go away so I can come back. That's the only reason why we go on holidays, so that we can enjoy coming back again. I don't know if you remember when we, um, Ruth preached uh, before we went away two weeks ago. There was quite a traumatic thing happened right at the end. I think it was at the end of the service. There was this Scottish guy up there covered with tar- tartan from head to toes with a set of bagpipes, and he had my face on him, and I was absolutely traumatized. It's really been a rough journey the last couple of weeks. And I don't know, I don't ever remember dressing up like that. I've never done it, I believe, in my life. And I'm quite perturbed and upset about, do I not just remember that time? But at any rate, how that ever happened, I don't know. any rate, um, Ruth also shared about uh, a time when she was uh, over in the UK sitting in the toilet and a Siri went off on the phone when it was all quiet and there's all the other people in the cubicles. And it said rerouting, really lifting the bar, but at the same time, it's, it's quite interesting. <laughs> anyway, we were about to go to Fiji, down in the, and we're staying the night before down in the hotel in Auckland, and uh, we were watching a rugby game, and Ruth wanted to dart off again to the toilet, but she came back and she told us a little bit of a story. She said she walked into the toilet, and there were these strange-looking things on the wall, and they thought, that's a bit weird, I wonder what they're for, you know? So then she went into the cubicle and she, she, she spent a penny and came out again. And uh, then she realized they were urinals. <laughs> and she, came, and she uh, came back and told us, do you know what? I've just been in the man's toilet. <laughs> True story. I, I, I kid you not. Praise God for grace. And, and, and it's, a, it's a great thing that God can orchestrate and, 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 and overrule so that no other man was in there. They would have been traumatized. <laughs> okay, any rate, moving on. <clears throat> Praise God. Grateful for the grind. You know, for me, when, it's, when I look at that, I see grind as being very, very small and the grateful very big. So, uh, praise God. The first, I've got two questions today. The first one is, are you walking in the natural? Oh, are you walking in the natural? You know, when we're going through the, the journey of life and the storms are raging around us as we travel through the sea of time, something amazing happens. One person is running around trying frantically to deal with all the problems in life while someone else is just resting in the same circumstance. And we see that in the Bible when you look at um, the Lord with his disciples. Remember that story in the Bible about Jesus out in the boat with the disciples and he was asleep and, and they were rushing around and they were in the middle of a storm and the boat was starting to fill up with water. And, and that's amazing. Jesus was not perturbed. He was just resting. That's what I like about Reuben with the car, you know. Praise God for the car. Thank you, Lord, for the car. It's, it's on its way. I believe you've got 
you supply all my needs. I believe that you're Jehovah Jireh. Hallelujah. So they wake Jesus up and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care? They were perishing. Do you not care? What an accusation. I think Ruth or someone else might have brought that out earlier on this year. Fancy asking the Lord, do you not care? The one who is here to go to the cross, to die for our sin, to lay his life down. You couldn't have had someone that cared more. But you know, when we're actually stressed out in life and we're rushing around, you know, sometimes you might get the feeling, well, you don't even care about me, do you? Don't you care? They even did that to the Lord. That's weird. See, don't let the circumstances reign. Don't let your circumstances in life reign and control you. Otherwise, you might end up like that. What about Mary and Martha? Remember that story when they were, uh, Jesus came to their house and, and, me, and Martha was rushing around trying to prepare a meal and, and she wanted to do this and do that. And, and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus learning from him, just resting. That's what happens in life. Someone will go through the same thing and they'll relax in it. Someone else will be thinking it's the end of the world. And you know what Martha said to Jesus? Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Do you not care? She said the same thing. Do you know, it really shuts us down when we, uh, when we, when we get frantic and when we're stressing about things in life. We start putting what is in our heart and all the stress on the, on the next person. It might be Ruth. And then we say, do you not care? Imagine saying that to the Lord. Do you not care, Ruth, that I'm getting thirsty? <laughs> Sorry. Ruth cares. She's a wonderful wife. I love my wife. You know, it's possible to be like that with our children. To be running around, stressing about our children... And all we see and all we're concentrating on is all the wrong things they're doing. And we think we're caring and we're stressing out and we're trying to deal with the situation, but we're actually putting what we are on them. The same thing. I've done it many times with my kids. Don't say amen, Carmel. <laughs> <laughs> When we do that and we concentrate and we try and sort out all these problems, we're magnifying the negative behavior. Rather than hanging on and speaking out what they are and what we see them in God. God has already dealt with those things. God is in control. We'll get to it further down the message because there's a reason why we do this. We're going to get to that in Romans 7 and 8. Do you know it's possible to live in a beautiful garden of roses and be there living with all the life's problems on your shoulder? Yeah? When we go away, and while you're doing it, you're thinking this whole world is just so ugly and terrible. You know, when we go away to Fiji and we come back here, this is one of the best places in the world, if not the best. We've been in many places in the world. The climate here. It's not too hot. Like Fiji, sometimes it's too hot and you get all sweaty and, you know, you want to spend all the time in the pool, which is a good thing. But we've got a wonderful climate. We've got a beautiful, lovely people in New Zealand. They're friendly. Uh, we've got a beautiful Bay of Islands out there. Plenty of Kaimoana. We've got 
God, we just got, and we've got a beautiful day today. It's just glorious. But it's like sometimes we can be sitting in this beautiful garden of roses and all that we see is the weeds. We see them first before the roses. We see the slugs and the snails and the worms. Is that your life? Are you living in the natural? Because if that's the way your life is, maybe you're living in the natural and, and, and God doesn't want you there. Just a thought. It's very simple. I'm quite simple when it comes to stuff like this. Romans uh, chapter 10, uh, 14 and verse 23 says, For whatsoever is not a faith is sin. It's not just all those bad things. It's when we're stressing, that's sin. We've forgotten to trust the one who leads us and guides us in life and provides for us and blesses us. You know, 1 Peter 1 and verse 7, Peter says that the genuineness of your faith, that's faith is reaching out to someone else, to the Lord of glory. Our life is hid with Christ and God. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire. That's part of the test, you know. Reuben, I want you to give all your money away. Or the children not just turning out to be absolutely perfect. I'm glad my children didn't turn out to be absolutely perfect. They are perfect. They are perfect. But I mean when they were young. No, no, they, they're perfectly how God wanted them to be. Don't worry. So that the trial of our faith, don't get distracted here, guys, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus. We start to understand where our blessings come from. You know, when James was only two years old, our oldest boy, firstborn son. You know, we could take him anywhere. We could take him to a restaurant. Put him up. We didn't go to the restaurant in those days. We didn't have enough money. Well, we could take him to church, and he wouldn't, even, he wouldn't even cry or anything. He was like a perfect kid. And, man, we thought we heard other kids crying, and then we thought, mate, these parents don't know how to parent. <laughs> it's easy. Look, look, look at James. You know, we've got it. You know. But as the girls came along, <laughs> Carmel wasn't too bad, but the other two aren't here, so I can But each one, Carmel was next. She was a bit more lively. I praise God for lively kids, you know. And then Chloe, she was a bit more lively. Then we had a seven-year gap. Well, that cranked it right up. <laughs> we ended up with a wall climber. Praise God for that. You know, praise God for that. For someone that's got life and she knows her own mind and she wants to fight back, she's going to be mighty in the Lord when God directs that in the right direction. But it's actually worked for us and it's actually teaching us how to be patient. And how patient, it shows me how patient our Heavenly Father is with us. I don't want everything just to be smooth. I'm grateful when there's trials that cause me to be cast upon the Lord. You know, the last three years in our business, I'm grateful that it doesn't, I'm just not making copious amounts of money. And sometimes I, I might be losing a bit of money sometimes. And, uh, and I have to look to the Lord who's my provider. And he's got to tell me, Paul, is it your hands that are providing for you or is it me? I'm grateful for that. The trial of my faith is more precious than gold, though it be tried in the furnace. I tell you what, when you live in this world, there's going to be some raging storms. Bring it on. We need to just cling hard to the Savior. We do. We do that. When we go through the trials, we're to rest in Christ. 
learning and not stressing. Because the more we stress, the less we learn. When we're rushing around trying to control anything, we're not really teachable. And, and we're not really understanding and as clever as we think we are. And we start accusing others, even the Lord Jesus, don't you even care? You know, I said that after a year meeting here. So one time I was spoken very clearly to God. Uh, and a year after we were here and we only had older people and Ruth was saying to me, well, look, I thought we started the church so we could get some young people for our children. And she was in my ear, I think, well, do we close down? Do we go to uh, another church? What do we do? So then I said, I said, Father, I know that you are my God. I know that you wanted me to start this church, but you're supposed to be the greatest father of all. And what are you going to, I don't mind serving you, but what are you going to do for my children? And I cried out to God. Within two months, we doubled in numbers and we had a, uh, our first band and we had young ones, families come along. That's the one time. Sometimes we stress and we might blame God, but he's patient. And we've got to be patient with those around us. We've got to be patient with our children. We are patient. So don't let the circumstances reign and don't let sin reign. In Romans 6 verse 12, it says, Do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. See, whatsoever is not a faith is sin. You don't have to be a great big sinner out there. See, sin is actually selfishness. Don't let it all be about self. That's what it's saying. When we think sin, we think the most horrible things. I'm not a murderer. I'm not this. I'm not. No, no. Just whatsoever is not a faith is sin. It's selfishness. When you're not walking by faith in Jesus... You're actually living from here. Are you living in the natural? That's the question. Now, the way to let sin reign in your body, from a spiritual point of view, is to try and keep the law. Let's go to Romans 7, verse 24 and 25. I want to talk to you about three laws here. Two are in these verses, Romans 7, 25. One is in Romans 8 and verse 2. We'll get there. Let me give you a background. Chapter 7 of Romans is so often misunderstood. It's where it's really, I always thought it was a Christian that was struggling in life. But it actually isn't. It's the unregenerate person. It's the natural man that was born in Adam. Not, not I, but then I thought, when you come to verse 24, 25, where it says, Oh, wretched man that I am, once you're struggling with all this stuff, who shall deliver me? Help, you know. I thought from then on, it must be the Christian. But what he's doing there in verse 24, 25, or verse 25, he's summing up the whole chapter, which is the man. The one that's struggling is the man or the person that's under law. Living from their mind, trying to keep God's laws, His commandments. And let me just show you this. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? Well, immediately the answer comes back, of course. God always has the answer. I thank God. Help coming from outside of ourselves, eh? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. That's under law. Okay, the mind, subject to the laws of God, under law. But with the flesh, that's the old self-centered nature that we inherited from Adam, from our forefathers, right back, Satan's selfish seed, 
comes right back through Adam and Eve and through to us, Satan's self-centered seed, when he said, I'll exalt myself and be like God. And he lifted himself up and he fell. That's that seed. With, with the, um, I myself, with the, uh, sorry, with the mind, I serve the law of God. With the flesh, that's the sin nature, the old sin nature that we've been delivered from, the law of sin. So you've got the law of God, which is just and good, but it's weak because of the flesh. Our flesh can't keep the law. No one kept the Ten Commandments. You've got the law of God, which is just and good, but it's no help to us. When the, when, when, when the law came along, it says sin revived and I died. It left me condemned. It magnifies the sin. You put the law on your kids. You say, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. And what do they do? They do this and do that and do that. Don't walk on the grass and they do that. Don't touch wet paint. What do we want to do? I wonder if it's dry yet. The law magnifies the sin. Just in case you're in any doubt about this, I want to go to uh, Ephesians. We're going to come back to Romans. I want to go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians is a wonderful book. It starts in heavenly places. But in chapter 2, it talks about us being made alive together with Christ. But in the first uh, three verses, it talks about what we used to be, our old nature. Well, let's read verse 2. You once walked according to the course of this world. Yes, I did. According to the prince of the power of the end. Lucifer. Yes, I did. The spirit that now works in the what? Sons of disobedience. What serves not of faith is sin. Now, among also, uh, who also you were once conducted yourselves in what? The lust of the flesh. What were you fulfilling? The desires of the flesh. That's the sin nature. The law of sin. And of the mind. Oh, but I thought my mind should be keeping God's laws. No, no, this is sons of disobedience. You might be trying to keep God's laws, but you're not going to manage to do it. And if you fail in one point, you're guilty of the lot. God doesn't want us with the mind serving His law. Romans 7, the whole of the book is summed up in that last verse. And, and the things you're wanting to do, you hate. And the things you don't like doing, you end up doing them. And I didn't want to argue with my wife. That's, that's all the old man and Adam. That's all self. Are you living in the natural? <laughs> oh, good, good, good. Right, where are we? So the nature within that always wants to run around and try and control thing, everything is the nature of a son of disobedience. It's not a trusting nature. It's self-centeredness. Well, surely God wants me to do everything, and he wants me to be the answer to everything. And I, I, at the end of the day, I'm a self-made man, and if it wasn't me going out and, and, and working, we'd never be able to put bread on the table anyway. It's not spiritual, guys. It's actually not spiritual. God does not want you trying to keep his law. There'll be plenty of people telling you you need to do this and you need to do that, and you should the shoulds and shouldn'ts. See, why do you think it said in, in verse 17 and verse 20, it repeats itself, of chapter 7, the man under law, why does it say, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me that's doing it? See? Let's come. The second question today, are you walking in the spiritual? Are you walking in the spirit? Are you walking in the spirit? Romans 8, verse 1 and 2, we're going to read now. See, seven, 
by the way, it's no accident, I believe, that you got seven days of creation, that you get right through to day seven. God wanted to rest after he'd made man on the sixth day. He wanted to rest, but then man's sin came in and he couldn't rest. The Holy Spirit couldn't come down like a dove and upon somebody until Jesus was there at the River Jordan about to be baptized by John the Baptist. Then there was a place that God could rest. This is my beloved son, he said, from an open heaven, and him I am well pleased. There was no other man for 4,000 years that God could do that with. It's no mistake, the first order of creation, the first man, Adam, was of the earth earthy. That order of man ends, day seven. While I'm going into that, I'll tell you a story. Um, Just jumping ahead in my notes here, but it's the right place to bring it in. Because day eight, I believe, is new beginning. It's a new beginning. Eight in the Bible speaks of new beginning. David was the eighth son of Jesse. He went through the other seven older brothers. That order of creation does not satisfy God. Sin has come in and ruined it, but God has a new new creation. The second man's the Lord from heaven. He doesn't come from the same place that Adam came from. He, he, he is, God is pleased with that man. And um, when they circumcised the children, the children of Israel, when God chose out a nation, it was on the eighth day. It's no mistake, a new beginning. Because Abraham, he said to Abraham, in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. When you come to Galatians in the New Testament, it says seed singular. Not in your natural seeds, all the great multitude. Yeah, well, he did have a blessing for them as well. But more importantly, seed, which is Christ. And Isaac, Abraham's son of promise, was a great picture of the Lord Jesus in the Bible. Abraham went up the mountain and God asked him to, wanted to test him. Talk about a fire and a trial of life. I want you to give up your son and put him on the altar of sacrifice. But God stopped him before he did it. Did it. God was just testing Abraham. But Abraham never got circumcised until he was 99. Ishmael was, had, when he was uncircumcised, interesting, eh? Circumcision speaks of a holy seed, and it's our, the holy seed is in Christ. It's not in our mind. It's not in Adam. Let's come to chapter 2. Oh, sorry, the story. We didn't get to the story. So I was, I've got many taxi drivers to take us around in, in, in Fiji, but uh, it was only about 10 minutes round to, to the wharf and to all the restaurants, you know, from our hotel. So I hopped in one taxi driver, and I'm on the way. I always chat to them. He said, I'm a seventh day. I said, oh, that's good. Guess what? I'm an eighth day. <laughs> but I didn't have time because it was such a short trip to explain that to him. But you and I are eighth day as if we're abiding in Christ. We're actually new beginning. We're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So that it says here in um, Romans 8 verse 1 and 2, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. <laughs> That's a good word. No condemnation. I like that. How often do we put condemnation on our children? How often do I put condemnation on my wife? Condemnation on the church. There's many pastors that'll come and preach about sin. And they put pin condemnation on you. We want to tell you that God wants to give you life. We want to tell you the good news. Jesus came to preach peace. It was good news. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This is the third law here. You got the law of God that the mind tries to serve. You got the law of sin and death in the old in the flesh. And this one, 
for verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ. The law of the spirit of life in Christ has set me free. You want, you want to, from the law of sin and death, you want to know where the place of freedom is and blessing that Reuben's been talking about this morning? It's in Christ. Standing in Him. A new creature. You don't have to, and standing in His righteousness, in His holiness. I could never be that righteous if I was relying on the old man. What happens is God gives us the free gift of righteousness. And He gives us abundant grace. That's why the gospel is supposed to be good news. We couldn't do it. He's done it for us. The reason why we do good things is because God actually has made us holy. We don't stop sinning to be holy. You don't stop sinning to be holy. You receive holiness and righteousness from God. Jesus bore our sin. We stop sinning because we are holy and because we are abiding in Christ. We get it back to front. We think it was us that did it. So, did you get all that? Two laws, Romans chapter 7, verse 25, but then the new beginning is the law of the spirit of life. See, it's like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but then the law of the spirit of life is like the tree of life. God wants us to abide in Christ. He wants us to have faith, which links us to another man from another world. And he wants that man, to, his life, that eternal life to be lived out in us because he was so well pleased with that man, he wanted him to bring many sons into glory. And he's raised us up in Christ and he's seated us in heavenly places in Christ. He's blessed us with all spiritual blessing. See, guilt paralyzes us with depression and creates suicidal tendencies. Did you know that? The words no condemnation are the most beautiful words in the world. I love that. When I read Romans 8 and I was struggling and striving and I heard no condemnation, it's wonderful words. There's so much in this world that condemns us. Even our self, self-condemnation, it's a horrible thing. That would probably be the biggest thing I've ever struggled with in this world is self-condemnation when I've done something wrong. But no condemnation, it's a beautiful, beautiful word. Coming off that ledge, there is no condemnation. You don't need to commit suicide. Rise up off your bed of dismay. There is no condemnation. Take a deep breath of clean spring air. Let go of the fears and all the worry and all the stress. There's no condemnation. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. God's not going to condemn you. I'm not going to condemn you. I hope Ian's not going to condemn you. No, Ian won't condemn you. Ian won't, boy, Ian won't condemn you. <laughs> Glory to God. Praise his name. Sorry, they, the clock goes around. Can, can someone stop the clock? <laughs> let Christ reign in your life. Don't let the circumstances reign. Don't let sin reign. Let Christ reign. Let Christ reign in your life. Look to him. Let go. Let God. Reuben gave a tremendous testimony of that. So the question is, just to sum up, are you walking in the natural or are you walking in the spirit?